Today on The Real Guy Podcast, we got Chip Mayhew. Some know him as Lamont Jones, but today we're using his sports name. Orange Taylor. Yes, Better Duck from Better Duck Studios. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. Lamont Jones from Better Duck Studios, or would you prefer I use your government name? Orange Taylor. Orange Taylor. All right. Yeah. Now, which name is that? That's not your government name. That's my sports name. That's your sports name. Yeah. Okay. Like you don't, it's a lot like graffiti. You don't really always get to pick out your nickname. You know what I mean? This is what they called me on the streets. Like people, yo, Orange, Orange dog, what's up? (laughs) On the streets. Yeah. It's like graffiti. They give you a name and then it's your job to go around and put it up everywhere. It's not really your job to create your own name. You can, always cool? tell, you can always tell a self-created nickname is usually way too cool for the person that has it. Like the guy that nicknames himself Big Dog or something. Lame. Oh, what's your take on Busaka trying to re-nickname himself Bonefish Busaka from The Shepherd? Hey, he's been catching them. And a lot of people that talk trash haven't. That so, is true. That is true. He's performing at a high level considering... He's Busaka and everything, but I don't okay, know. I kind of got mad when he nicknamed himself. Well, yeah, he I, can't nickname himself. It's got to come naturally, like the sheep's head thing came to him naturally. Right, that was a natural nickname. People enjoyed calling him that, and then he catches a few bonefish, and he nicknames himself Bonefish Busaka. And I'm like, dude, you can't do that. No, you and, can't. And then he retracted it, and then later on brought it up again. He'd have more success trying to do it outside of the social circle. Like, say he posted those bonefish on other forums and stuff, or where not, and then those people started calling him Bonefish Busaka, then it would have more validity than him just saying, hey guys, will you start calling me Bonefish Busaka? Because that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. <laughs> I was, I was like, I was seriously considering transferring consex over to ryan up in canada oh wow since he got the little boat he's been crushing it dude like, think I mean, of how much he stepped up in the past like 18 months from car that's what i'm talking about consex yep consex and he knows his season's coming to an end here and what is he what does he fish for maybe six more weeks yeah so he knows his season's coming to an end to, to an end and he's picking up the intensity like a true gentleman yeah I mean, him and his buddy Perry, did you see, have you been following the progression of how they've picked it up in 2020? Yes. Like, Ryan put together the small inflatable boat with the big, um, serious battery that he had to replace because he left it at the ramp, or at the launch, which was a major bummer, you know, a couple hundred dollar battery to run that little trolling motor. And then Perry stepped up last week or the week before and bought a 26-footer. So they're on the lake now with downriggers, like they're in the game. I saw that yeah. deep sea lake fishing. That's crazy. Like he's telling me the depths and I'm like, dude, you got to dive it. <laughs> that is pretty strong though. Yeah. So I, I always called him the crazy Canadian. Yeah. So now I'm going to add to the nickname rather than get rid of the old nickname and call him the consecutive crazy Canadian. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. And he earned it. Yeah. We're all real proud, Ryan up there in Canada. 
I mean, just back to back to back pickerels, bass. What else is he catching? Uh, walleye. Walleyes. Upset. Are they, um, is it hard for them at the end of the wicked tuna season? Of the TV season. Right. Well, yeah, it's especially hard now because it's a Sunday night event. Sundays are event television. No matter, like, remember when we were growing up, it was the Disney sh- channel or Disney um, Presents Wide World of Disney would show movies when we were kids. And um, Wild Kingdom was on Sunday nights. And then they went to Sunday night football, which kind of dominated TV for a long time. But now that there's no sports and no Wicked Tuna on Sunday nights, like these guys are going to go ha- back to watching their nerd programs. I think Walking Dead is Sunday night and Game of Thrones, which ended with Sunday night also. So it's event television. So these guys, the majority of these guys, they're going to have to hand the clicker back over to their wives who've been sacrificing, you know, for the last three months, four months of the Wicked Tuna episodes. So it's a, so it's a little bit of a downtime for the males in the family, but the females, it's almost like a rejoicing time. That's going to be a huge rejoicing time for dudes that don't have, you know, their own dedicated man caves because you can force football like onto the family because that's right. a national pastime. So Sunday night, oh boy, you know, the dolphins are on, the whole family watches, maybe the kids do their own thing on their devices or whatever. But now after Sunday dinner, they, people have nothing to look forward to. At least the, the dads don't. It's gone, you know, right. until... And who knows when they can shoot another season? Because the dads, they're, they're like pushing the issue. Like if it's Sunday night and they want to put on like the outdoor channel, like that's not happening. No. The family's not sitting there watching those canned fishing shows over and over and over again, right? No, no they can't make a lateral move in the fishing entertainment world. They're going to have to give up the clicker and the wives are going to be putting on Lifetime movies and a lot of Home and Garden and those Antique Roadshow, you know, right. people find out that Cuckoo Clock they thought was worth, you know, 40 grand is only worth 40 bucks. And you can tell by on social, too, because Dave and the guys, um, you know, have such a big wake on social media, on um, Twitter. Like, we started that whole thing. Everybody knows it. Marciano gives us credit for it. We were the first ones to really live tweet Wicked Tuna. Right. And those guys didn't even know what it was. Dave was a good sport. And then the marketing folks over at um, Nat Geo, you know, they hired young people and stuff. They were like, we got to run with this social media stuff. So they, I even have some of the, um, the graphics and little memes that they put out and everything when they started to like take over their own social media for live tweeting on Sunday nights. You mean when they <laughs> tried to rip off Triple Live? Right. Try to rip off Triple Live and just the whole... Sunday night tweeting thing, you know, because it's event television, event programming. So you'd sit down there, you'd put on the event, put on the show, Wicked Tuna, and then on your phone or your iPad or whatever, you um start tweeting. <clears throat> and those guys are accessible. Like I would always um, tag Pauly with supercuts because that doofus haircut he has. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. And be like, hey, Supercuts, come on, why don't you put this guy in your pro staff? And then Marciano retreats that with a, you know, an OK symbol or whatever, and it gets the ball rolling. And for a while there, you know, for a couple of years, we've had just had a good, good social um, 
get together on Twitter for Wicked Tuna, and now it's off, and there's no football to fall back on. Right, right. Eh, I don't know. It's going to be a sad time for some of these people that are like really into Wicked Tuna. But like, I made some posts on Facebook last night, and there's some pretty sorry alternatives. Reality TV can make anything dramatic. Right. Like they do with the gold episodes, the gold shows. Because there's like five gold shows you can watch. Jeez. Right. And then you just watch them with heavy machinery, dig dirt. I mean, how boring is digging dirt? River Monsters has a new show. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it either. But I guarantee you in that new show, something's going to be trying to kill somebody. Right. What do you think the most deadly show that he actually did was? Because, you know, everything that they caught or fished for was a man eater or killer, right? Right. Like one documented time when a puffer bit a guy's testicle and he bled out. The, the plane wrecked and half the people were eaten by sharks. But the people that made it to shore stepped on these hypodermic urchins and then they died you know and that was like the 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 cultural legend for the area right or myth. And, right and then like people think you know like we deal with a lot of stingrays here like dude the thing that happened to that crocodile man like that doesn't happen you know like, <laughs> harassing that thing swimming directly on top of it and if you know sharks or rays or anything they sense your heart they sense your heartbeat so it wasn't a fluke accident that that thing hit him directly in the heart. But, like, just don't swim on top of the thing where your heart is directly above its stinger, which is what right. he was doing. Right, right, right. Well, I don't think the um, Jeremy Wade dude realized it. But when they did the episode on the needlefish killing people, mm -hmm. that was the closest thing. That was the closest thing to uh, actually getting one right. Right. I mean, a giant needlefish jumps out of the water and every once in a while spears somebody. Right. And it's pretty nasty. And I think most people mistake them for giant barracudas. But, I mean, those giant needlefish do cause some serious physical damage and people have died. Right. You can put an eye out. You can get take one to the throat. Like, you can end up bad. So I take Jake Wood out um, fishing, what, week before last? Mm -hmm. And... um Jake, you know, he's the young guy that loves fly fishing. And he hangs out over there in the Abacos all the time. And he was telling me how he was fly fishing for those giant hound fish. And then they'd actually, you know, start jumping around and they had to, you know, kind of worry about dodging those things. <laughs> really? Yeah. So Jeremy Wade, I think he stumbled upon a real killer being the giant needlefish. Right. Then that one fish, he's been milking that thing for de decades, the big tiger tarpon. Right. Like that thing, big scaled thing with the giant barracuda teeth. Right. Like those Amazon dudes, this, you know, they're not swimming around where those things are. You know? Or same thing with piranhas. Do piranhas, piranhas, dude, they swim with the piranhas all the time. Do they? People swim with piranhas all the time. There's thousands of different species all around, and they're all through these little lakes, all in Costa Rica and all these other places. But there's only a couple piranhas that'll actually, you know, like try to eat a cow or something like that. 
Right. And um, there's only a few rivers that, you know, they're infested with that many of them. And then even then, you know, they don't eat every cow. Every once in a while, there's some sorry-ass cow that is weak or whatever and bleeding or had a broken leg or yeah, something, yeah. and then they get it. Those big guinea pigs, like, slide down the embankment, and then they get them. <laughs> the capybara. See, now, I'll watch, I'll watch the National Geographic stuff now that uh, Wicked Tune is over. The National Geographic stuff, like, I love watching those giant crocodiles and stuff eat pigs and that kind of stuff. I think last week, Nat Geo did their version of Shark Week, and it did not resonate. Like, it got no traction. I think Shark Week's played out, like, big time. Shark Week's played out. The big um, thing for Discovery this, maybe it starts next week, is Tyson versus a shark. Right. I saw that. You know? Tyson looks good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not too many world champs that, you know, 15 years after they were champs look like that. No. Buster Douglas, you couldn't even recognize the dude. He's like 400. <laughs> he's still he's alive, right? Yeah, but he's not doing good. But Tyson looks good. I'm, I'm picking Tyson over the shark. Yeah. What are the odds in Vegas on that? I don't know. Are they betting on that in Vegas? Let's find out. Let's hit Bovada. But the, the thing, it's already in the can, so they're not going to let people vote on it because then the crew could, you know, rig it so they all won. I think they already shot the whole thing. And people were burned last year or the year before when they did Michael Phelps. And they're like, Phelps is going to race a shark. And then it was a dramatization. Like, you can't build up people's hopes like that. They People thought that, you know, Phelps was going to get in there with a Mako or something and, you know, go 100 yards. But they simulated it. And, and they totally burned everybody? They burned everybody. And last year, didn't they put Shaq in the cage? Well, Shaq, man, you can just put the camera on Shaq, and that's right. a success. Right. But did Shaq went in the cage? Shaq went in the cage. You know, in the Bahamas. Oh. Uh, you know? They're not doing the, Great Barrier Reef. Doing little sharks. Doing little sharks, and those sharks are half trained. Well, how come the guys on Wicked Tuna don't follow that uniform? You know, I kind of given the Wicked Tuna guys a lot more credit nowadays than I used to. I mean, they don't. They're, that's commercial fishing. That Columbia and all that stuff—that's sport fish wear. That's actually like fashion for middle-aged dudes. It doesn't even mean anything about fishing anymore. If you look in the parking lot of an Olive Garden or whatever, most of the men that go there wear that teal green, eye-cast color Columbia shirt. Oh, I thought about you last night when I was watching an alternative show to Wicked Tuna. Because <laughs> well, the wife wasn't home, so I could go to the Outdoor Channel, right? Right, yeah. And um, you know that big dude, Fortice? Yeah. He's like a bodybuilder slash tarpon expert you know, yeah. guy. Rick Murphy's brother or cousin-in-law or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's got a show called Sea Hunter. And um, I don't know. They did some tournament, some get-together with, like, vets or whatever. But they're all fly fishermen. And they were all together in this group, you know, where they're all hanging out. And, dude, every 
single one of them had on the Columbia, had the buff, but it was in like North Carolina or something, so it wasn't that hot or nothing. So they just wore the buff around the neck. Right. The long pants with the pockets all over them. Right. And dress flip flops. And they were the all together. Half on zippers. You can Dude, take the was, lower half of the pants off. It was it was a good it was well actually it wasn't really that great of a show. They were doing you know the fly fishermen like to catch those bonitas on fly. Okay. And they make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Which which is kind of cool because you know catching them on on a, on a small fly rod is fun. Right. But they did the footage like they were catching eleven hundred pound marlin or something, with the <laughs> slow mo the fish coming up to the boat and turning and everything and showing the little fly in its mouth, and you're like trying to get into it and everything, but you know that that fish is like a six pound little bait fish. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's TV, so you just roll with it. But they all had on the uniform. Very costumey. I'm surprised um, Nat Geo doesn't make the Wicked Tuna guys do that. It's a department. It's like it's all regulated what they can wear and what they can't wear on camera. Right. So, <clears throat> what do you know about them? And the other reality shows and stuff, are they, are they going, are they filming right now? Or are they everybody home? Like the only reality stuff that's filming is, um, Ninja warrior or something. One of those like obstacle course shows. Okay. That's in a giant studio. And then they're taking, um, like social distancing very seriously. Like the shots I've seen from set, or everybody's very far apart, all the camera operators. And they're trying. Ozzy did a um, music video last week for a huge reggaeton artist, huge. And really? They had immediate on-site testing for the 19 employees. And, you know, usually they um, are overstaffed. You know, productions are overstaffed with a bunch of people that don't really do much. Right. And those people are all now working from home. Like if you don't need to be on set because you touch the camera or you're a makeup person or whatever, if you're just there to take notes and everything, they can do that remotely, like on a Zoom. Right. So they've cut down on the people that are on sets. And because this was a huge music video for a popular artist, they have a lot of money. They just had a mobile tester come right in, test all 19 people. Everybody tested negative. And then they mask up and they shoot the thing, still socially distanced, still being, you know, Super, right. super careful. Like huh. one person on camera at a time. It takes you know, it takes a little bit of creativity to uh, figure out like how we're gonna do this. And I'll so, send you a link. The video is pretty cool. So, like, what do you think? Like eighty percent of the shows aren't being filmed, yeah, or more. Yeah, like 90. or more. So, not only is the Wicked Tuna season over, going into the future does not look that great if you're looking for alternatives because think about it, only 20% of the stuff's being produced. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And Wicked Tuna falls under the government control because it's not just a TV show. It's a real, the, you know, the fishing industry is regulated. So I think that they've shut those guys down completely. It's not right. like, Hey, we're just doing it for camera. Like they, they can't go out there and do their business. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading about that kind of insane that those dudes can't go out and do their business but massachusetts is crazy right 
I mean, it's not like New York crazy, but it's crazy. You heard the episode we did with Marciano, right? Yeah. Is there anybody else on that cast that's cool enough to ask to be on the podcast? Like, is TJ cool? No. No? No. Is Polly cool? We just don't know it? You could get Polly on there. Think we could get Polly? Yeah, I think it's, I think like you're squeezing him for um, to get words out. All those like Marciano's the only guy with a gift of gab. You know what I mean? That can just free flow talk. The other guys, you can tell how the shows um, filmed that they're prompted to speak. You know, by the producers and stuff. So if the producers were never like, "Hey, talk this out," they would never say anything. But you know. Marciano is pretty much like he is in person. Like he's just, you know, a talker, right? Which, which is what you want for that thing. And that's why it's kind of always been his show, even though, you know, they, it's a um, competition and he's not always in the lead or he's getting his ass kicked or anything. It still boils down to like, it's Dave Marciano and five or six other boats because the other guys speak in sound bites, right? They can't come off and just, be original and natural. No, Paulie's yeah. gotten better. But and then the remember that big John Stud guy that was on there for a while? The Sasquatch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was all right. His character. He was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. When I watched that show and I watched him and he got that funny little boat uh, actually it was a big boat. And it had all that inside with like couches and everything. And then that yeah. little, tiny, little tiny cockpit. And I'm just thinking about that big Sasquatch dude hanging out inside that boat all day with no, <laughs> air, with no air conditioning. So you put it out there on your social media last night or whatever. You might as well get the listeners chime in and tell us what you're watching. Be honest. Say, you know, it's okay to admit that you have to give up control of the clicker. Now that Wicked Tune is over and there's no football fallback, what are you being forced to watch on Sunday nights? Is it talent competition? Is it food network? Is it home remodeling stuff? Chime in on social media. Hit up Jeff's uh, Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, my Instagram is Lunker underscore dog. Lunker underscore dog. And then we just did set up like two weeks ago a TikTok. I think it's the Mullet Run TikTok. At the Mullet Run. And... It's not like, don't worry, we're not doing um, sing-alongs and choreographed dances and stuff. Just putting up some little fishing clips. But I put up the original power casting vid with Freshwater Rob right, over at the park. And it's at 430,000 views. Well, power, power casting is universal. It's ageless. Yeah. You know? What the hell was that? That was the TikTok coming on. 430 thousand views of the power casting video on tiktok now that's a big number for tiktok no but that's a big number for two for guys in their 50s on tiktok <laughs> i think i'm gonna get an award no but it's just a pretty pretty decent achievement like the number of you know men in their 50s that are on tiktok is pretty small and then to have a video get four hundred and thirty thousand views like we're one percenters Point one. And it wasn't a shark and it wasn't a Goliath. Right. It was original comedy. It was original style and original content. Power casting at the world famous Tarpon Bend. Yeah. 
with world famous freshwater rob yeah freshwater so have rob. you been fishing locally yeah i've been fishing locally all summer right here in fort lauderdale been a good summer been crushing the fish yeah. i'm not very busy but the nights that i'm out there has been highly productive in the well, river think about, think about this um i went in two weeks i had four doubles in port everglades i don't think i had four doubles in port everglades in my entire life <laughs> so think about that that's pretty yeah. Yeah, that's about as good as Fort Lauderdale is going to get, especially for the middle of the summer. And it seems like tarpon are all over the state. For whatever reason, this year, a lot more tarpon came into the state late than um, I've seen in a long, long time. Are the water taxis running? Hardly. It's been nice. It's been nice. Hmm. Actually. Actually, I've been I've been calling that out to the clients when we're out there. Is I'll be we'll come out of 15th Street and we'll get out in the major intercoastal, and I'll get everybody take a deep breath there because you'll never know when the next time you're going to be out here without a water taxi presence. Yeah, and the locals, the people that know about that, actually are like, "Hey, that's a pretty good point." Huh? How's bait? How's bait been? Harsh. Yeah, bait's been tough, like crazy tough. Hmm. But, you know, that's a separates the men from the boys. That's the difference between getting tarpon all the way through the summer and not. Okay. Plus, we've been crushing them on fly. Have you seen that? I did see it, yeah. I'm doing more and more fly fishing, both personally for myself and with my clients. Good. Well, I think the clients see me and Timmy out there, and we go and we do our fly fish sessions. And we're, we're genuinely having a good time, you know, having fun. Yeah. So then people, you know, see that and then they want to, hey, let's do a fly trip. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Well, I don't know. I can't watch any more news. I can't watch any more like outdoor channel and that kind of stuff. I just don't have it in me anymore. I have been watching a few things online. Waypoint TV's got a couple of things that I've been watching. Yeah, same here. I, you know what I've been watching? I've been watching the races, the NASCAR and it's a lot like um, it's on in the background. You know what I mean? So I'm doing something else. Like I'm not staring at the screen like you do for football. Right. But it's on and I'm doing other stuff. I'm cleaning up or I'm, you know, getting food ready and this and that. And <clears throat> the NASCAR races are on in the background. And I've watched probably eight races now and where I had watched none unless – I had like turned on the ending of a Daytona 500 because I, you know, somebody was like, quick, put it on. Or you heard there was a huge wreck and you wanted to see it. But as far as, you know, putting the race on 10 minutes before it starts, like that's my new thing now. Really? Yeah. And it's like, I'm just learning about it. Um, I just learned last week that all the drivers are now nerds. That like it's they cool are, to be a nerd NASCAR driver? It's the only way. These are all trust fund babies, all rich kids that grew up with cars and doing it in the junior circuit. And you know how like the U.S. soccer team is kind of nerdy where they're all the kids that played for Stanford make the Olympic team because that's just the community it is. And the guy says, there's no more drivers with Southern accents. And I was (laughs) like, wow, 
Like they are all trust no. fund kids, Northern California kids that just, you know, started driving when they were six years old versus, you know, what we grew up with the seventies and the eighties of them old boys, you know, running them cars. <laughs> so the, so the grease monkey redneck dude that used to hang out in the garage with his father is now a trust fund kid. The drivers, I think the teams, I think the, um, you know, the mechanics or whatever you want to call it, the teams that put on the tires, and everything. I still think that that's heavy neck infested. Right. But the drivers themselves are all like, remember what, you know, what is it? 20 years ago or whatever, like Jeff Gordon was the first one who's like, Oh, he's from California or whatever. He's a rich boy. And now they're all like that. Now is NASCAR promoting that on purpose or is it just the way it panned out? This NASCAR, like the NFL and like a bunch of other people, have made like 10 crucial errors in trying to move the sport forward, where if they would have just left everything alone, the natural growth rate would have been better, and where they've lost a huge audience. Not just because of the controversial stuff that's happened recently, right. but changes to the sport itself like i guess they basically tried to rig it in the late 90s early 2000s so that earnhardt or somebody else would win and they could never win like earnhardt i think won one daytona junior we're talking about but he was so popular you know what i mean like the merchandise sold and everything so they tried to create this point system where they could manipulate it and that just never works like people see through fake you know, right. the NFL tried to do that whole, oh, the refs decide what a catch is. And it was a disaster. Like people know a catch when they see it. Right. You know what I mean, once in the, every couple of years, there's a crazy one where it's split 50, 50, where people just like, damn, I can't tell. But what they did, you know, like three years ago with like, nope, that's a drop. And this and that, they could manipulate the outcomes of the games easier. And people reject that. People would rather lose on a bad call then lose on fake. Right. Right, 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 right. Oh, and the NFL is fake in so many ways now. It's like a contagious disease they got over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 hard for me. I gotta tell you, the NFL's tough. Like I've I've migrated over to the NBA in my last few years. Not because like I'm in love with the NBA or nothing, but I'm just losing touch with um, the NFL. Yeah. So the stimulation is almost the same. So what the heck's the difference? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, dude, like the only reason I would freaking get fired up about NFL games years ago was I knew somebody was going to get thumped. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And I knew that these running backs were going to be running that doogie and they were, is you know, thump or be thumped. And then now, man, it's so difficult for me to watch a game with any type of intensity anymore. Yeah. So I'm not going to get like crazy intense. It might as well be like basketball. At least they score every minute in basketball. And then to have a flag thrown when somebody gets thumped, it's like, Rubbing it in your face. Rubbing it in your face, and then nobody reacts with real emotion when there's a touchdown scored anymore because you know it's going to be reviewed. Right. Right. 
Like the guy catches it and you jump off the couch and you're like, yeah, you wait now. You pause and then you can never recreate it because it takes six minutes to get the call. Right, right, right. Even if it is a touchdown, you're like, Phew. yeah, you know. And they're doing that same type of shit in NASCAR? Yeah, I don't know. it. Like I barely know NASCAR. Guys can explain it a lot better than me, but they've tweaked things. Like everybody is spaced out now. I think the... I forget what, what we were, I was watching with the horse cranker. We were texting back and forth and like the car that was in sixth or 10th place was 12 seconds behind. So okay. everybody's spaced out and they're there. They do stages now like um, quarters in the NFL. So you can win a stage and guys are winning the whole season for winning the most stages, but never winning a major race. Right. Right. Like, you know, Yarborough and the old man Earnhardt and them, they did Daytona 500. You raced 500 miles. That was that. Now it's like they do 125, 125, 125, 125. And you have stage winners. And it's a lot like um, Wicked Tuna. Like, I barely follow the point system. Like, I watch it because of Dave's personality and to see, you know, see fishing and to see some big fish and stuff but i never get the adrenaline pumping for like dude these guys are only down by 70 pounds get out of here (laughs) (laughs) and the effort that nat geo puts into that is a lot right but i think i think a large percentage of people that watch wicked tuna don't care about the the point percentage it just it kind of is a way for the network to put the episodes together in a formula like, let's show who's in first, second, third, fourth, and it makes it repeatable for them instead of trying to, you know, just make interesting, um, interesting moments of life, which is what right. the best reality television is. So and does does, yeah. does does NASCAR have a, a Marciano? Like, do they have somebody that's like the guy that, you know, the majority of people watch because of them? Yeah, not like Little Earnhardt and Tony Stewart, who I think were the last two big ones or whatever. But the guy, um, I mean, they really get taken it because there's no fans in the stands. And then the post-race interviews, everybody's masked up. And like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And like I said, they're nerds. Whereas like if, you know, back in the old days when Allison and Yarborough were like, they were going to fight. <laughs> right. There's real emotions going on. People were fighting. Right. These guys are just like, yeah, you know, um, the car ran pretty good. You know, we, we probably should have changed tires on lap 30, but, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a little boring because they just don't have them, you know, them crazy rednecks driving those cars no more. They got Disney characters now. Disney characters and like quarterback type doofuses. Oh, dude, go ahead. Hit me right where it hurts. Yeah. Hit me right where it hurts. Oh, my yeah. God. Do you, you know, I remember there was a day. It's not like you hated quarterbacks and receivers. <clears throat> but if you were a, a linebacker, a free safety, or a corner, it was pretty – well, it wasn't the norm for you to hang out with the quarterbacks and the receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a real difference between the two. And now there's still a difference, but you know, similar to uh, the NASCAR, the tweaking. 
the unfair friggin' rules and stuff is killing me. Well, I actually don't know enough about the sport to know when there's a foul or when the, you know, a guy made a mistake or did something dirty or whatever, but there's wrecks. Like the wrecks are still fun to watch. Like Tannehill. You know what I mean? Right. Like Tannehill had, was a, a wide receiver or a tight end or something. And they were just kept saying, man, this guy's got every measurable to be a quarterback. You know, he's six, five, he's, you know, two twenty. his, um, hand is 13 inches long and all this other stuff. And they just were hell bent on making him a quarterback versus the guy, you know, he's a tool or whatever, but like Manziel or whatever that knew how to play quarterback that, right. you know, five ten or whatever. And you can never make that dude. So maybe it'll work. You know, the teams and stuff are so over-reliant on the offensive coordinator and play calling and all that now that, you know, like, Tanny Hill had pretty good success last year. He was pretty he's good not like, last year. He, he's pretty good, pretty good last year. Everybody's pretty good when they have a dump truck at running back killing people. Right. Right. Like that dude is out there seriously hurting people. And he never had that on the Dolphins. The racers, the NASCAR guys are like, oh, yeah. So, you know, you've got the heart rate. You've got the conditioning and everything. You're smart enough. Let's make this guy our... Um, our driver. And it's right. a lot like, you know, drafting a quarterback. There's so much money tied up in these teams and the sponsorships and everything. They're never going to take a guy that's got T- two DUIs. <laughs> right. Right. I feel you. You? I feel you. I tell you who's breaking the trend. And it's funny that, you know, I just thought of this because I've been watching a bit of it is UFC. Right. I yeah. mean, you can't really fake it. I mean, you got to get in there. You got to get in there in the octagon and you got to swing. Right. And, um, you know, they get these guys that like, you know, get a name and start to get favor or whatever. And then he's got to win. And if he doesn't, he gets his ass beat and then the tides change. Right. And everybody gets their ass beat in UFC. I like no Marciano. I'm talking about Rocky Marciano now. Right. But like nobody is, you know what I mean? You, you will get dropped. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, like I've been watching some of it, like I'll see like the, I don't watch it enough to uh, know the current events of everything. So I can just record old UFC stuff and be perfectly entertained. Yeah. I watch those ones. They pop up. Like if you watch a Facebook video and then the next video that pops up automatically is a UFC fight. Mm -hmm. So they're really cherry picking the good ones. That McGregor guy and the kid from Miami. Do you know him, Masvidal? A little bit, yeah. And like, you know, so they're showing like the best fights forever on your phone. And they're there, you know, they're pretty good. Like when we have nothing right now. <laughs> All right. Scrambling for audience. The kid from Miami, uh, Masvidal, people were really mad after his fight. I didn't watch it, but apparently... The other guy just clinched the whole time and then stomped on the other guy's toes. <laughs> That's pretty good. He stomped on Masvidal's toes and basically just played defense the whole time like Mayweather. <laughs> and that's it. Where that Masvidal guy, he's crazy <laughs> and right. wants to throw death blows. Right. And um, the other thing when I watch UFC is I think about original style. and. Yeah. I think about back when we had the bar and they were doing the boxing matches at Krakos. 
and right. Damien was running them and there was a big MC and it was the best night of the week for the nightclub. And right here in Fort Lauderdale, that was original style. How yeah. much, how much do you think that old style of raw fighting at the um, nightclubs had to do with the success of the UFC? Oh, a lot, a lot, right? A lot. That's what, yeah. 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 I mean, now Bobby Van, Bobby Venucci, Bobby Van passed away last week or the week before, and he was a legend in Fort Lauderdale. He had the candy store, right. Bachelors 3, Pips, Mr. Pips, Rosebuds. I mean, like, he had like yeah, 10 of the legendary um, entertainment venues in Fort Lauderdale and Croco, too. He, you know, um, Croco's still alive. Croco, no, he passed. Mike passed maybe three or four years ago. Three oh, okay. years ago. And um, yeah, they're gone. Croco and Pip, um, Bobby Van, and that kid Dana White. He's a lot like you know the early Vince McMahon or Croco and Bobby Van and this and that. He doesn't answer to anybody. Like they right. told him, you can't fight in Vegas and New York, and he's like, I'll get an island. We'll test right. everybody, and we'll all be on it. Like that's brilliant. Right. Right. You know? yeah. That's real. It's real. You know, the NBA is trying to do it in Orlando, trying to do it in a bubble. I mean, those kids, you just can't keep a 20 year old kid that makes 40 million a year in a hotel. Right. Right. It's, right. And then the NFL and college football, I mean, college football, there's the theory out there that Alabama and Clemson have made their kids catch it catch the virus so that they battle it now and don't catch it like in November and December when football counts. Really, I don't really, know. Is that really a rumor though? That's a real rumor <laughs> because Clemson had like 29 kids. Bam. Oh really? Yeah. So that's all fine and dandy. If one of them kids p- passes away because he has, you know, sickle cell or some undisclosed thing. Right. Then major investigation. Oh my God. And if they get one kid to be like, yeah, coach told us to all hang out in one apartment. Like, Jesus. No, 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 no. Coaches, those coaches in those big time, they, 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 well, I'm going to give them the assumption that they're smarter than that only because all the hoops they've had to jump through in the years past, not to get totally lynched by the um, NCAA. Right. Which is always selective enforcement anyway. What they've done to the Canes over the years is a shame. Terrible. That is a shame. And it's all about jealousy. All about jealousy. Like Duke got caught paying that big basketball kid, Zion. Right. Pfft, no one cares. I think they gave him like 350000 for one year. Oh, that's more than the Canes ever gave anybody. Right. What, what is I mean, most- the guys that know the case of that kid, the little Ponzi schemer kid, right? The, the irony of what Miami got in trouble for last time, Yahoo did the big investigation. God knows how much money they spent on it, investigating the um, Nevin Shapiro, the Ponzi schemer that ripped off, you know, a, I think a billion dollars. He's right up there with that Ross team dude on how much he stole. But the tangible evidence implicating the Canes the biggest piece of evidence was an $1,100 bar tab from the Fountain Blue. 
which like people think like an $1,100 bar tab, that's crazy. It's not that crazy at the Fountain Blue if right. you've got 10 kids with you. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Morgantown, West Virginia, that's a hell of a bill. And but then the funny thing is, is the kid turned that receipt over to the NCAA. Well, the kid is in federal prison for turning over receipts, forged documents to FCC or whatever they're called. You know, the um, SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, regulators, bankers, and super sophisticated investors. Right. So you think the NCAA sees a piece of paper that says Fountain Blue on it, $1,100, and an American Express number on it? Like, sit down. <laughs> you guys don't even know what you're looking at. That kid passed fake shit to banks. <laughs> but 350,000 there in uh Duke, that's no big deal. No. Nothing. No. no death sentence, no taking down the stadium, nothing. 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 Eh, dude, down here in South Florida, everybody wants to hate cuz everybody wants to be us. Well, they are Go crushing it too, you know. Miami is currently ranked 11th in recruiting. They have a crystal ball where they're going to get Fred Taylor's kid, who is a five-star. Imagine that. And I think Miami got two five-stars last week. So coming off a six and seven season that ended in total disaster with three straight losses to FIU, Duke, and La Tech getting shut out in a bowl game. Oh, that was sad. Manny is crushing it. Like they're taking recruits from... Florida, Florida State, and Oregon. But I think this whole lockdown thing, like kids aren't able to take those trips. And I think a lot of the kids, like, you know, they've said for, you know, decades, if Miami could just keep the Miami kids, they'd never lose a game. Right. <laughs> so, so, Manny, so Manny's been able to take advantage of the, uh, the impaired rec- recruitment because of the virus and everything. Yep. And these kids are actually going to go there. You know, I tell you, you know, if that is the case and Manny um, keeps his focus on the defense, it could be upsetting to a lot of people. Definitely. The them boys up in North Florida, they're seeing Manny as a problem right now. <laughs> the, the brand is strong and the logo Still carries a lot of weight, like they say. <laughs> well, they'll be embarrassed if Manny beats them. That's for sure. Right. And it has to translate to wins. Like if, you know, and these are um, 2021 recruits. Now, why are the Rednecks in Tallahassee and Gainesville, <clears throat> why are they feel so scorned when they lose to Miami? Oh, my God. For one thing, that's all they have. And Miami, nothing is ever all we have. Hey, the Marlins are in the World Series. Like, yeah, yeah, great. Like, oh, they just dismantled the team. Eh, no one cares. <laughs> oh, we got LeBron. We're playing in the championship every year. LeBron's going back to Cleveland. Okay. Like, there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's never devastation. And I think Gainesville, Joey and I were talking about it. If there's no season this year, football season, right? If it all gets canceled. And it's looking likely, considering they just canceled the Marlins' first home game, got canceled after 11 players tested positive. Jeez. Yeah. 
Towns like Gainesville, where everything relies on the eight home games, the entire economy of the city is the eight home games where, you know, that decides whether you go um, from the red into the black on your ledger. Right. The, the big reason why Miami and Florida can't play is because Florida claims they can't afford economically to lose one home game. If they went from eight home games to seven home games, it would so affect their local economy. They just can't do it. So if they lose all eight games, they're wiped out. The city of Gainesville is wiped out. And now you're making me feel bad for those people. Don't. Don't ever feel bad for somebody that roots against your team. Okay? Even in, even in the situation that we find ourselves in today, you have to hold your cards. You can help the people if you want, but at the same time, you can still be like, well, you rooted against my team. So. <laughs> in Tallahassee, that's where the money is. The, you know, that's where the boys write the checks. So they'll bail themselves out somewhere, but Florida State will be devastated. Teams like USC and Miami, it won't really matter because Miami's a tiny school and. Yeah, some stuff in Coral Gables and some vendors and this and that could get crushed and put out of business or whatever. But Miami's not going totally bankrupt because of losing football, home football games. Right. The local economy doesn't pivot around the Miami games. As a matter of fact, Miami was like, go play them someplace else. <laughs> and now right. with that Orange Bowl place. What's it called? What's it, what is the name of our stadium anymore? Hard Rock. Hard Rock. Jesus. You can just still call it Joe Robbie. I, st- I just want to call it the Orange Bowl, and I'll just, yeah. you know, if, so, if somebody thinks I'm an idiot, so be it. But I'm j- it's just the Orange Bowl to me. Yeah, it's sad though that um, how many bowl games are played in that stadium that totally are just chump bowl games? Yeah. Last year when they had bowl games in that, did you know even notice anybody in town for the bowl game? No. Me either. Usually you could drive around town and see everybody in their Michigan blue or whatever. It's been a couple of years since I've seen the town taken over by, you know, out of state people. And it's kind of like, like I liked it when, when, when you saw the big, you know, out of state crowd, oh, yeah. the restaurants were like, Oh dude, check it out. All the, all those people from freaking whatever, Notre Dame in there, yeah. you know, and they're all hanging out. And then the other hotels all full of somebody else. Yep. But dude, last year I didn't even notice. And then their tickets were all over the place to go to any of those games. Did anybody good play in that stadium last year? I don't remember. Right, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, let's wrap up the podcast. Lamont Jones, it's always good having you on the Real Guy Network. You can find me on Twitter at Better Duck and TikTok at the Mullet Room. TikTok. I can't believe you're plugging TikTok. But then again, when you sport that kind of views as a 50-year-old on TikTok, you got to take your wins where you can get them nowadays. Anyway, that's Lamont Jones. I'm Captain Jeff. You guys were listening to The Real Guy Podcast. And run that dog. Run that dog. Run that dog.